Hello, friends, and welcome to To The Point, the home services podcast that focuses on marketing and operational solutions to help you get better. Because if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. Now, let's cut to the bullshit and get to the point. Hey, what's up to the point listeners? It's your host, Chris Yano, along with my co-host, the handsome, tall Paul Redmond. My friend, how you doing? Hey, thank you for the compliment, Chris. I think you think I'm handsome because incidentally, you and I are dressed exactly Identical. alike today. Identical. And I told you I I was the V-neck guy before you were the V-neck guy, so I'm a little uncomfortable with it. Um, what I'm a little nervous about is, uh, you know, I noticed that... Uh, you literally wore even the exact same hat that I have worn, you know, that I wore. But you know what? Listen, I've been wearing this for a long time, so you just keep trying to match me. I don't know what you're trying to say about V-necks. I've been wearing them for years. I'm going to hold my ground here. But, um, but other than that, man, it's good to be back with you, fresh off of vacation and feeling at home because here we are once again with another guest, and I am the third most interesting person in the room once again. <laughs> you know, some of our listeners might say, no, I'm kidding, buddy. And listen, uh, to everybody that's listening that said uh, Cristiano has been great on the podcast and left tall Paul out, I just want you to know um, he took that very personal, and he's been whining and complaining about it, even though we know that you meant that was overarching for everybody. So there you go, Paul. Um, so Yeah, we are excited to have a guest in the studio today, which is always way more fun for us. Um, it's a lot better to look somebody in the eyes and have a conversation versus through the damn computer. About six, six feet it, apart. With the exception of Paul. Um, six feet apart, we are socially distanced. Okay? I, we took temperatures before we came in. We're good. So if you're listening and you're worried about that, stop. So um, we're going to get into this. We actually have a mutual friend, our guest today too, uh, Mr. Bobby Jenkins in Austin. Shout out to my friend, Bobby Jenkins, uh, Paul's favorite guy, also a cyclist. We're not getting into it, so don't even start it, Paul. Um, but our Got guest it. today is with a company I've known about a long time. It's based, uh, well, started in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, it's in multiple locations now in uh, Phoenix, Tucson, and Vegas, right? Yes. Um, and it's a company called Burns Pest Elimination right on the I-17 on the north side of Phoenix. I would consider that the north side. Yeah, it is. Right? Yep. So, Dave Burns, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. So, your official title is El Presidente? Yes. Okay, cool. I wanted <laughs> yeah. to make sure. Now, so, um, I'm excited about this because we do have some uh, pest control listeners as well. But this, if you're listening right now and you think this is all about pest control, then stop worrying about it because there's a pl there's plenty of straight-up business knowledge in here. And listen, this has been a successful company, and we're going to talk about some best practices. So you're going to get some really good nuggets out of this. It's just going to be a little extra special for our pest elimination pest control companies, okay? So, Paul, are you ready to get into it? Let's do it. On a scale of 1 to 10, where are you at? Oh, I'm always at a nine, teetering at 10 just for safety reasons. What about you? <laughs> That's okay. Um, I'm always at a 10. You know that. I didn't even know how to respond to that. I was expecting you to say like 20 or something like that. I love it. I love uh, it. So I want to get into this. So you have, um, pest, pest, uh, so, okay, so pest, Burns Pest Elimination has been around since 1983. Yes. And your dad and you started this thing. That's Is that correct. It? Uh -huh. So where did your brother, Is it, it's Danny? Danny, my brother. Where did, so when did he come into into play? Uh, so right right after we started. Oh, okay. Um, you, my dad has always been an entrepreneur uh, all all his life. You know, we uh, 
we grew up in family businesses. My dad manufactured um, boats uh, when I was young, so I would work at the shop and play in fiberglass, and I learned how to paint boats and learned how to drive boats and do all that stuff. And so, um, you know, things just kind of progressed um, when we had an opportunity to start Burns. So um, since you brought it up, and we were talking about this pre-podcast, so I want to talk about it real quick. Um, you talked about you know, this boat, the boat business. Um, you raced I did. Boats. I've been racing boats since I was 13 years old. And we're not talking like remote control boats, y'all, okay? We're talking about the real deal, Holyfield boats. And you did some stuff at uh, Lake of the Ozarks, which is this teeny tiny little lake in Missouri. Um, so what? So I heard you. Well, let's let's talk about it real quick. <laughs> I want you listeners to understand what I've got sitting next to me because what I've learned in the first fifteen minutes of meeting Dave is that we actually have a lot of similarities <laughs> uh, in our risk assessment of life. So why don't you share with the listeners real quick what you uh, what you did over at the Lake of the Ozarks? Um, so. Um it was a few years ago. Um, I, I, um, I've progressed in, in and out of all types of motorsports, um, but I got really got into offshore power boats. So um, I had a 36-foot catamaran with um, two 1,800-horsepower motors. Um, and, uh, and so they were big. They were big monsters things. And so I, I, there's a, an event at the Lake of the Ozarks um, called the Shootout. Um, and, uh, it's the fastest boats in the U S come there and they're in different classes. Um, and, uh, I was lucky enough to set two world records there. Um, that still stand world today. records. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. So I've been, uh, you know, my, my boat, I, I set the world record in at Lake of the Ozarks. I ran 160, I think it was 167 miles an hour in a mile on the water. On the water from a from a standing start, a standing and then start. Uh, on the smaller boat, I ran 134 or five miles an hour in the same mile, um, and I've been uh, almost 200 in in offshore power boats on the water. That would freak me out. I mean, it's it's just because of the the water is somewhat predictable, right? Somewhat predictable at times, but you just never know. It's, it's not like it's asphalt. Not near as predictable as asphalt. Asphalt's exactly. flat. Exactly. Um, rogue waves and uh, and um, six foot chop make a difference. Absolutely, that's what I'm saying. So, and what you didn't know is my background comes from open wheel racing, Indy car racing. So the only thing we had to worry about was what's the temperature of the track and what's my tires like. You know, ah. so which is way less risky. So the fastest I've been is 208 mile an hour Indianapolis Motor Speedway, um, which is right around where I grew up, which is probably one of the best days of my life. Um, but the track is flat. I mean, I mean, you know, there's no waves. There's no nothing like that. It's just temperature. Now, that being said, that temperature goes up two degrees, and I lose, and I have a little extra tire pressure, then I could come around real easy. Walls are real hard. Real hard. I know I've learned. Um, my wife won't let me ever do it again. Um, <laughs> and we, we have so much in common. I mean, I ride bicycles 22 miles an hour in spandex with a banana in my pocket. I'm one of the guys, right? I'm sorry. What? All right. So I know you guys, I know, I know you guys know, know Bobby and Bobby and his brothers rode oh, cross yeah. country. Cross okay. country. Hey, that's, that's phenomenal. But I've done seven Ironmans. You've done seven Ironmans? You've done seven Ironmans? Seven Ironmans. Are you shitting me? No. Nope. Good Lord, when nope. did you do this? I started at 50. Holy shit, I wow. had no idea. I, I went so through it, my change of life crisis, and I started 
deciding to do Ironman. So when you tell me, when you tell me you ride a bike for what, maybe 60, 80 miles. Here we go. I I say that's, that's really cute. (laughs) Oh, I love it. So tell tell our (laughs) listeners what exactly an Ironman is. So, um, uh, by definition, um, by definition, um, it's back breaking, killing, um, complete destruction of your body. Um, starts early, yeah, early in the exactly. morning with a two and a half mile swim. Just get warmed up. Yeah. Open um, water. Open water. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, no pools. Um, and uh, usually it's cold. Um, I did Ironman uh, Coeur d'Alene and the water was 38 degrees. Yeah, because you're up. Coeur d'Alene's in uh, Idaho. Idaho, that's right. Yeah. Um, and then, um, then you jump out of the pool, jump out of the water, um, and, uh, run to your bicycle. Um, and you don't change clothes. You just wear what you swam in. Um, that's great. So, um, then you throw your shoes on, you get on your bike, um, and, uh, you get to ride for about 125 miles. That sounds so fun. With, with no, you're not allowed to draft and drafting. No, no. Yeah. You're not, you're not working together. You are by yourself in the wind. 100, 120 miles, yeah. whatever that is. Yeah, you have, you have uh, I think it's uh, like 15 seconds to pass someone. So when you come up on someone, you've got 15 seconds to pull out, pass them, and get away. Otherwise, you're penalized for drafting. Yep. So, yeah, Cheating. there's no drafting. And then and then after you're done with, with the little bike ride, then you hop <laughs> off and you run a marathon. Jeez. Change shoes. You got to change oh, shoes. Oh, yeah, you do change shoes. Uh, you know, you grab, usually grab a hat, you know, and, uh, and um, I, you know, you, you have different food sources. So you usually grab a little, uh, you know, a little different food source and off on the road you go and you run a little marathon. Mike, I love it. I You've done seven of them? Seven of them, yeah. Unreal. Amazing. Um, I was taken back by that. I would have never guessed. <laughs> I'm sorry for completely. Ju- I'm like, no way. Uh, yeah, that's super cool. What that tells me, Paul, is uh, we got somebody with a strong mind over here. Uh, I like it. Mindset. That's the way I the way I take it. Because uh, there's no way you get through that without having a strong mindset. No for question. Sure. And you got to be a little crazy. Got to be a little on the nutty side. Way, way nutty. For sure. Well, way nutty. It's the same guy Nine that'll drive respect. 200 in a boat. <laughs> good point so that's awesome um i'm glad to know that I mean, that was that's really cool i want to um commend you for that that's no i mean that's no small feat and so what i want to do is uh that's a great way to parlay into what we're talking about because listen business ownership can sometimes feel like an iron man um i know we've been through it as we've grown over the years um you guys are you know, have been around since 83 so i mean i was four in 1983 so it's been around for a little bit um, but it was not a smooth sailing deal the whole time. I'm certain of that. Um, I'm sure it's not been perfect, but let's do this. <clears throat> so for our listeners, let's let them know, um, how, like we kind of talked about how you got into it. Cause you, you, you know, your dad and you got into it early on uh, for whatever reason, but let's talk about the progression of the business to today, because, uh, for those who don't know, um, you know, Burns Pest Elimination is a well-established, well-respected, uh, pest elimination company here in the Valley. Um, and then I just learned recently that you were in Tucson and Vegas as well. But but walk us through kind of, uh, you know, once you got into it, you know, how you, you know, just kind of give me the history. How you got into like you and your dad got into it, but maybe why? Because I think he sold something for you guys to get into it. I think I read yeah. somewhere. Uh-huh. But, like, just go through that process and let them know kind of what you've accomplished before we get into some of the other details. 
Um, so I, I grew up in family business and, and we, the, the Burns family is very tight. Um, you know, I have two brothers, a sister. Um, and so we have always been family, family oriented, you know, Sunday dinners, all those things, Love it. uh, go to the races together, sports together. Everything was family, family, family. And, and I'm a big family guy uh, to this very day. Same. Um, so, um, so it was, um, 1983, um, I was, um, I, um, I went to ASU and, um, my, that was, um, in the late seventies, um, so I, I am old, really. <laughs> um, the The economy, the economy through the seventies, if you remember, wasn't great. Um, we had we had twenty percent interest rates. Um, fuel had skyrocketed, and fuel shortages. There were lines at the gas pumps. You had to get gas on odd or even days based on your license plates. Uh, and you might be a little young I, to remember, no, but I recall, but, but I that's what the seventies looked like. Okay. So, um, I, I, um, when I left school, my, my dad, uh, my dad was in the boat business and I always planned on running my dad's boat business. That was, that was boat manufacturing. That's what I knew. That's what I grew up doing. Um, and, um, uh, and the economy turned so quick that, um, it was a matter of six months before, um, he had to make a decision on what to do. And, and the decision was close that business down. Um, and he went into real estate. Um, I had nothing to do. I, I, I mean, I, I, I was at ASU. I have a finance degree. Um, so, um, so I did what, um, you know, I did what I needed to do. I went into banking and, uh, banking led me into finance. Finance led me into, um, a, a fortune at that time, a, a fortune 100 company by the name of Borg Warner. Oh, yeah, um, small little. So, yeah. Fortune. So, so you, you knew, most people knew of Borg Warner as uh, transmissions for cars, um, hospital beds. Well, they had a whole financial division. Can I tell you real quick what Borg Warner reminds me of? Yeah. The uh, Indianapolis 500 trophy. That's right. The Borg Warner trophy. Absolutely. That was their automotive industry. Well, oh. I was in their finance industry. We did everything from, mobile homes to leverage leased airplanes to, um, to, um, do you guys ever remember the Yugo car? The Yugo? Yes. Okay. So Borg Warner was the seed money for the Yugoslavian uh, manufacturing company that made the car. Borg Warner was the money behind the, um, importing of the car. And I was in Dallas, Texas, um, involved in partly with um, all the financing, wholesale and retail of the Yugo so, car. Wow. Um, I, I guess I didn't know that part yeah, of it. Yeah. So, um, so my, my, um, you know, my goal at that time, being a young man out of college um, with a finance degree was, you know, I was going to be the, the suit in the top tower. That's what I was going to be. And, um, you know, that's where I was headed. Um, so, uh, I started with them in Phoenix. Um, they transferred me to their Dallas branch where I, where I moved into some of these other areas. Um, and then they came to me um, in late 83. And again, um, economy in the 70s and early 80s, Texas was like a ghost town. Um, and I, um, I got to be really good at consolidation, looking at things that made money and things that didn't make money, figuring out how to divest out of those things that didn't make money, get something in return for it and make um, our profit centers more profitable. Hey, Paul, who does that remind you of? Oh, I'm so stuck in the story. I can't think. Reminds me of King Goodrich. 
Yeah, right. So um, I was really good at it. I had a knack for it. And so um, so Texas at that time in the, in the early 80s was turning into ghost towns. You had entire strip centers that had no, no tenants. Um, you had uh, the repossessions were of homes and cars and closings of businesses were at astronomical rates throughout, throughout the state. So um, we did some things. We divested some things. We made some money. And, and then um, I got a knock on my door from, uh, from my regional manager that said, you did an awesome job, Dave. Um, we're going to promote you. I'm like, cool. And, um, he said, you can have your choice. I said, okay, what's my choice? He said, you can go to Charlotte, North Carolina or Chicago. Shut down. I went, okay, cool. <laughs> and, uh, so I talked to my wife and my wife is very supportive. I love her dearly. And she has stood by me from, we've been married 37 years and, and she is the greatest greatest woman you can imagine and gotta have that support. and you have to have that support in, in your life in order to make these things work so i um this was um this was late around thanksgiving and uh my dad called me he said hey what are you doing i'm like uh i'm actually um you know going through some things and uh and um you know planning some future stuff and i said i'm gonna go on vacation though what are you doing he goes well, I got some things I wanted to, to bounce off you. I'm like, okay, I'll tell you what. Um, my dad is in Phoenix. I'm in, my wife and I are in Dallas, and my wife is from Colorado, um, southeast Colorado, farmer. Um, and so I said, hey, let's uh, meet in Colorado. My wife's family had a cabin up at, um, at, uh, um, in, the, in the mountains outside of, of, uh, of uh, Denver there. And I said, let's meet up there. We'll go snow skiing. We'll hang out at the cabin. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll just catch back up because I haven't been home in a while. Cool. So we plan this trip. I put in my vacation and away we go. We meet up there. And, I, I, and my dad says, um, hey, you know, let's go out and talk. I'm like, okay. He says, um, I got something I want to talk to you about. I said, yeah, I got something I need to talk to you about too. <laughs> and he goes, well, you first. I said, I'm getting transferred. And he said, oh, really? I said, yeah. I said, I, I have an opportunity to either be go to the regional office in, in Charlotte or I can go to the corporate office in Chicago. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm leaning towards, you know, the corporate office because I, I think, you know, it's my best, my best move for the future. He goes, how about Phoenix? Well, yeah, no, I already shut Phoenix down. We, we don't have an office there anymore. And he goes, no, no come back, come back and run a company for me. I said, you don't have a company. You're in real estate. <laughs> he goes, well, I sold a house about that. I sold a house to a guy. Um, and he was a friend of the family's. He said, I sold a house to a guy. He's moving from Phoenix to Payson and he wants to trade me my commission for a pest control company. Unbelievable. <laughs> I'm like, huh? A what? A pest control company. You know, the guys that come in and spray for your bugs and stuff? I'm like, well, what the hell do I know about pest control? Why would I want to run that? He says, I, you know, you know, finance. I said, how big is this company? He goes, well, it has 43 customers. I said, 43 customers? Oh, wait, you're talking like 20 bucks a month, right? 43, I, that's like $800. <laughs> 
yeah, how the hell am I going to live on $800? You know, and we haven't even paid any bills yet. And he goes, and you're spraying buddy. <laughs> well, and he goes, well, um, I just think that you could really build something out of this. He says, I just think this service business models really got something. And again, remember my dad's very entrepreneurial. He sees things and, and I'm like, really dad? I said, you know what, buddy, I, I really got to think about that, Dad. You know, I appreciate it, and let, let me ponder on that. Yeah, big shift. So, big shift. Oh, my goodness. So I'm, I'm laying in bed that night, and, and I, I tell my wife, I said, I said hey, honey, um, I, I know this is going to sound stupid, but my dad, you know, just offered to, you know, to start this company um, in Phoenix. Um a pest control company. I, I don't know much about it, but you know, I said, are you okay with Chicago or, or Charlotte? And she, she looked at me and she goes, no, I went, holy shit. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, now, now, now all of a sudden I'm finding out you don't really want to go. She goes, no, 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 I will go. I will support you till the ends of the earth. You just asked me if I wanted to. I said, no. I'm like, oh, oh boy, frick. frick. Um, okay, frick. so, um, so what are we gonna do here? She goes, well, I'm, uh, you know, we've been talking about starting a family, and and uh, and I just went, you know what? Now is the time I got to nut up as a man and yep. and take care of my family. Uh, my wife is not happy with this. Um, I'm a family guy. I'm moving her across the country, away from her family, even further. Um, I'm further away from my family. And she goes, I don't want to raise our kids without family. I'm like, yeah, what? That's, that is the point. That is the point. I can't raise my kids without family. I went, okay, you're right. I said, let's move back to Phoenix. And she said, okay. I said, she goes, how are we going to live? I said, well, Let's try this pest control thing. Out. Very modest. <laughs> let's let's try this pest control thing out. And here's the worst case scenario, babe. I'll go back into banking. I could get a job as a banker any day, anywhere. I said, so I got that to fall back on. Said, it's not a lot of money, but I can do that. That was that was um, Thanksgiving, right after Thanksgiving of um, 1983. I moved back. I moved back just before Christmas. Um, my dad made the deal on the company. Um, he actually ran the route for that first month. The guy showed him how to, um, spray cause that's all it was is, you know, spray. just some spraying. So he ran the 43. Routes? He did. He did the 43 accounts, um, that month. Um, I don't think he did them all though. He sore as he did, but I, I would <laughs> argue with skipped him. skipped a few. I would argue with him. Um, so I came <laughs> back and, um, and uh, I really, um, I really delved into it, and um, and I uh, I started to realize that that this wasn't about spraying bugs. This was this was really about service. This was a this the widget was just bugs, but this was about relationships. This was about um, making people um, happy over a problem. Um, and all of a sudden things really started to come together for me. And, and I realized that, that this wasn't, you could, we could turn, we could turn this into a marketing machine 
because it's the the widget of pest control is something that everyone needs or has a need for at some point in their life. It's a solution. And so that's where we started. And so um, within within the first four weeks, I had to move. So in the morning, I would get up. I would uh, do all my paperwork and get that. So my day started really early. I would go out and I would do the services. I would um, try to stop in the afternoon so I could do some sales. Then I would go home. I would uh, grab some dinner. I would make my phone calls. I would set up my schedules. I would um, do all those things. Then at night when my wife went to bed, I would do all the bookkeeping and ledgers and all that stuff. I, we started out, um, um, all of our customers were on three by five cards in a, in a shoebox. That's how I, that's how I kept track of everything. Sounds like the startup life. Yeah. And so, <laughs> um, so within, you know, that, those, that first month I, I was like, Hey, you know what? I, I need to move. I need to move out of the service side of it into the sales side of it. I need to, you know, I need to be the marketing arm of this thing. That's where Danny came in. Danny was my brother, Danny was, um, he was, uh, in the automotive industry and he was kind of in the same boat. It was, you know, bad economic times. Um, you know, the stuff that he was trying to move into wasn't coming together. And so boom, Danny came on board. So now it's your, you, your dad and Danny. Yep. Me, my dad and Danny, my dad still run the real estate company. So all I hear from him is screams out of the other room. Cause we, we worked out of his house. Uh, most realtors work out of a house. Yep. And uh, so he would yell from one room to the other that I needed to get my ass out and get to work <laughs> and all that stuff. Um, but en- yeah. Encouraged. Encouraged. Uh, encur- yeah. Encouraged, encouraged of course. Um, so that's really, that's how we started. That's awesome. That's how we started. So where, so then for a reference point, I mean, that was 83. Yes. Um, so today, significantly, significantly different because you work with not only, you know, home, you know, home, you your residential locations, commercial locations, but also homeowners associations and things like that. You've grown this thing into like a, a wildly successful, uh, you know, pest and elimination company. So where is Burns today for reference? Um, today we, um, in, uh, in, um, 2019, um, 2019, we serviced about 83,000 customers. Damn. Wow. I have about, about 300, I think I got about 320 employees now. Dang. Well done. Yeah. The, uh, that's a serious business. Yeah. The HOA model is really good because then you get all those, like you get big, some, those are good. I I served on the board of my, of our homeowner association where I live for four years. And, um, I realized when I saw the different RFPs coming in for the new, like new vendors or anybody coming in you know, what that process is like, but also the value of it. Yeah. Well, what we found, what we found early is, um, this, the business isn't about the, the, the pest elimination business isn't about the service that you provide. It's about the relationship you build. Certainly. And so, um, you know, we started out early in, in, um, in one of our verticals, which was, um, which was food man, food manufacturing um, and restaurants, and so what we found out is the manager at the the local restaurant today 
um, will probably be fired by, um, you know, six months in and he'll be the restaurant manager somewhere else or the manager at the Hilton will be over at the Marriott. Um, and so if you build those relationships, those guys Take naturally you just carry you along. Yep. SmartAC.com. SmartAC.com. If you haven't heard of it, you better find out. If you haven't implemented it, you better check it out. You have to get started doing something. 2024 is going to be an absolute battlefield. What are you doing differently than your competitors? You need to make sure that your memberships are sticky. SmartAC.com does that. Lifetime warranty, insurance savings, filter discounts, 24-7 monitoring that lets you know about problems before the homeowner might even know about the problem. Live tech chat, service providers, all of this with smartac.com. You've got to check it out now. Yep. That's a, that's so do you, so then that's actually, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and we, we have some similar things that, that with us is even though we have some manufacturer relationships in the HVAC business, you know, that is people do kind of go back and forth between different and they want to take you with them and things like that. But it, but it is based on a couple things. It is the relationship is certainly key. Um, I would still say on my end from uh, being a uh, recipient of pest elimination is uh, it is nice to not have bugs. Absolutely. Um, you know, so that's, that particular service is key. And I, and I feel like what, you know, from the residential side of things, and I don't know how much of yours is, is, you know, what the balance is there. We're about 50, 50. So that's the model I like. Got it. So, nice. um, so that nice, good little balance yep. there um, is sometimes it's gotta be tough because we, you know, like I have, um, our place I was talking to you about up in Walker is like, I'm in the woods. Yes. So I'm kind of in their home, right? Like, so I'm trying to keep them out of there. Like that's pretty extreme now, even, you know, down here in Anthem, it's, um, you know, crickets go crazy. Like sometimes it's these random black bugs. Sometimes it's scorpions. Sometimes it's like, I don't know, like the service side of it to me is, is equally as important as the relationship side of it. You, you know, there's no question you you have to you know we believe as a core value at burns that that we're going we're going to um over deliver everything we get right. but the real key is to be able to communicate with your customer on what their need is because everybody has different thresholds thresholds of pain um you know there are some guys that just like to ride bicycles with a banana in their spandex <laughs> and then there are guys that like to do ironmans um you know where you spend 14 hours just totally annihilating your body you're right that's a completely different kind of man <laughs> or woman thank you um thank so you. so everybody's threshold is a little bit different well when you, if you, in your business life, if you'll realize everybody's threshold is different, yep. it becomes a matter of communicating what that threshold is and what the customer need is. You might have people that, that absolutely are deathly afraid of scorpions. Okay. Well, if you don't know that, and, and in Arizona, we have a significant scorpion problem. Right. And, and it, and it's cyclical. So like right now we're, you know, we're, they've just had all their young and we're seeing a lot of little baby scorpions running around. Um, if, if you, if you're, that's a real threshold of pain to you, then you're going to be mad at me if I don't fix that. Right. But if I know that, if I know your threshold is of pain lives around scorpions, then I can tell you a month and a half ago, Hey, we need to make some adjustments on your program right now because it's right around the corner. Right. 
Now we do that. Rodents, rats, all those things, they're all legitimate problems, but everybody's threshold is a little bit different. So you're identifying the problem and then being proactive in the solution. Yep, and making sure that the customer understands what what you're going to accomplish and how you're going to accomplish it. Which also continues to build the relationship and the trust between the two of you. Absolutely. Brilliant. That's yeah, a, a good example. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Paul. Well, I was just going to say, you know, every time I get my maintenance done on my unit, my, um, you know, air conditioning units and furnaces, I'm always looking out and kind of watching over their shoulder just because I'm curious. And then nothing disappoints me more when they don't tell me like what they did, what they saw, what are the good things, what are their concerns? Because I just want to know, you know, you just want to know. Um, but I have another question back when you originally started this business and, you know, a couple years into it, did you ever have moments where you missed corporate life? Ooh, no, no, I, I didn't. End of story. Me either. No, I didn't. And, 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 and really it was because, um, I, I was challenged every day with something new. So, um, so the first month in business, we did eight hundred dollars. That was my gross revenue for the first month I ran the company. Sure, eight hundred eighty-three. Um, so, um, so my dad, of course, you know he's a, he's a cheerleader. You know what? When we do when we do ten thousand dollars, we're gonna be making money. Well, I got to ten thousand dollars. We didn't make any money. <laughs> he goes, well, you know, when we get to fifty thousand dollars. We're gonna be making money. Well, I got to fifty thousand dollars. We still didn't make any freaking money. <laughs> um, and so, you know, it was it was just this drive. Um, you know, people ask me uh, a, a lot about oh, you know, um, profit margins and all those things. I'll be honest with you, I didn't crunch numbers like that. I'm I'm, I'm a finance You're a guy, finance a, guy, a yeah. banker. I didn't crunch numbers like that. Is it because you were too busy going? Well, no, because because numbers numbers become a subset of taking care of the customer right okay yeah i mean you have to know you have to know what your expenses are you've got to know what costs are you've got to know what margins need to be but guys that spend too much time crunching numbers in the back forget that it's just a derivative of the service, service. you provide on the front boom um so the biggest thing you can do is figure out how you can take a customer's mindset off of pricing and put it onto results. Be a result-oriented business, and then all of a sudden, price doesn't matter. Let's go to the AC business. If your AC breaks, are you calling 35 companies? It's, it's going to be, what, 118 today? Yep. Um, so are you going to call 35 companies to get a price? No. You're going to find the first guy that's going to come out there, right? Oh, yeah. I can be out there in an hour. Speed is a necessity. Yes. And so, so guys that have been, that guys that are really good in the air conditioning business have figured that out. Hey, that what they really want is they want us to be there. Now, once you get there, what do you do with it? If you can turn that customer into something where they go, you know what? I just spent whatever, $500, but you know what? It's cool. The guy was nice. The, you know, he was clean. He smelled good. He was nice enough to say, hey, how are you doing today? Um, do you have any other problems? When was the last time you checked your water heater? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, you know what? I'm not in the, I'm not in the AC plumbing business, but you know what? That's the way I'd view it. And, 
And it makes perfect sense because now they just spent $500 and I guarantee you the next time something goes wrong, they're going to call you because you took care of them. You, you eased their pain. Yep. hundred percent agree. Customer service numero uno. Yeah. So, um, so then how do you, how do you continue? I mean, 83,000, um, accounts is quite a jump from 43. Yes. <laughs> um, how do you, uh, I mean, obviously the market's gotten more competitive for you because it's Phoenix. I mean, and Phoenix is a massive market, but what do you guys do to continue to, to grow Burns? That's the key. Um, the key, the key with the business is um, if you're not going forward, you're going backwards. And, and you know, that's a, that's a cliche everybody hears, but it really is true. And so um, that's what I do. That's my job at Burns. My job is to is to see the future, to to start to um, figure out how do we how do we keep growing the business? Because I again, family. I've got a son that's in the business now. I've got a, a nephew that's in the business. I've got a niece that's in the business. Um, so yeah, you know, there becomes a lot of mouths to feed, um, and uh, so I, I I think that that um, you have to make a decision on what your business model is going to be for the future. So you can build a business for profitability. Um, and if you build a business for profitability, the chances are you're probably going to sell it because you're only driven by the money. That's your exit. Yeah. And, 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 and I'm not that guy. I, I, I love money. Don't get me wrong. I love money. I, I, you know, I have very expensive, um, and high tastes. Um, I, you know, there isn't anything I love to do more than, than uh, go fast and spend money. But it's not your driver. It's not my driver. My driver is legacy. Love it. And, and my dad taught me that. My dad taught me, hey, the reason we build this business is for legacy, not for profit. I mean, again, does that make sense? We, we're, Certainly. Pri- yeah. Profit is not the driver. Legacy is the driver. Yeah. So if legacy is your driver, you only have one goal in mind, grow it, yep. make it bigger. Yeah. And if you do that, then the revenue will follow. Yes. Yeah. And, and if you're, if you're sharp and you take care of the customer, you, you, you put the performance ahead of everything else, the profit part will take care of itself as long as you pay attention to expenses. Paul, what's up? I see you want to say something. Yeah. So, I mean, just gro- I want to talk about growth. Um, the t- there has to be a temptation if you're in front of 83,000 people a year to add additional services, but it would appear you guys stay in your lane, right? Talk to me about that. Wow. You know, that's a, that's a really, um, that's a really controversial subject because, For sure. um, because you, there, there are lots of models that have been successful at, um, at um, expanding into into um, other markets, Bobby Jenkins. Bobby Jenkins, um, you know his his model in uh, in Austin, San Antonio is is you know grown tremendously around the HVAC, plumbing, you know home, home services, services side of the yeah, business. As a whole, and, and 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 he he's done a very good job at at developing that. And then you look at his brothers, and they're a little more they're a little more square down the lane. Right. Right. Um, and so why don't they, you know, why aren't the brothers doing that? It's not for everybody. Right. Um, see, I'm, I'm, I don't, I, I have this thing again, my finance 
my finance background, um, I don't borrow money. I, I don't, I've never, I've never leveraged burns ever, except for one thing, the building I built on I-17, mm -hmm. I, I borrowed money for that, um, to build it. I, um, I had a, um, 20 year mortgage, um, on that building and I paid it off in five. Nice. So it's nope. free and clear. I own it. Here's the thing that scared me more than anything is if you're leveraged and things go south beyond your control, economy, coronavirus, whatever it might be, things go south beyond your control. I could never, ever look at myself and say, hey, mom, hey, dad, I'm sorry to tell you, you got to go get a job. Could never do that. Couldn't live with myself. So I've always been, I've always put us in a position where um, I never leverage us. Short-term leases on automobiles, only money we owe. Um, so my, my philosophy has always been grow as big and as quick as you can with the money you have. No, I don't leverage to go do that. So I don't buy other companies. I have bought, I have bought literally three or four companies um in our history and they were all very small friends that were in the industry and they needed to leave and so i made a deal to buy their accounts and and, and just you know brought them in um other than that i i don't i don't acquire companies because um one it creates um a leverage situation in most parts number two it's really really hard to um to bring those people into your core philosophies and your core values um, from a service standpoint, from a pricing standpoint. So um, the, the, real, the real point is grow it big at whatever you can afford to grow at. So I can only grow by a certain amount in 1984, five, six, where today, you know, I spend more in marketing than we did in, you know, 85, six, and seven. Of course. So I, I kind of heard that as like you're doing almost asset acquisitions, right? Of their, and then so you get their accounts, you get, and, and did they, did they end up staying and working for you or did they? No, most of them had a reason they needed to leave it. You know, a family matter, they yeah. needed to leave the state or, or whatever. Um, you know, we just uh, acquired a, a company in Las in Las Vegas, um, a small company up there, um, because the uh, um, the the guy that owned it, um, the guy that owned it um, had a his family owned a dairy, and so he he needed to um, he needed to go help the family business. Got it. Um, and you know it was a situation that that he really didn't have choice. He needed to go help the family, and and this was a distraction. So I. We were friends, what, so I helped him out. What a change to a dairy farm. <laughs> I grew up on a farm, and uh, there's a reason I'm in the technology side of things. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you talked about it, so I want to bring it up. Um, there's no doubt you've done a great job on your brand, and uh, it's something that we talk about because I believe that um, this whole COVID-19 thing uh, really exposed a lot of companies. If you didn't have a great brand, you might have suffered um, so if anything, it made you realize I need to make sure I've got a really great brand. Um, but you, know, you talked about the marketing side of it and clearly, um, for those who are maybe listening for the first time, um, I'm also the CEO of a company called Rhino Strategic Solutions, which is a digital marketing company only for the trades. 
Um, but most already know that. So we're, we do marketing. We're all internet marketing based. So um, being a financial guy, you're an analytical guy. Um, we make every decision at Rhino based off of uh, data. There's a little bit of gut and intuition that goes into things, you know, for the forecasting or things probably much like your dad. I'm, a, I'm a very much an entrepreneur. Um, but it comes back to what's the data. Let's track everything. Let's look at what's going on. My assumption is um, you guys probably have done some form of tracking like your different marketing to understand like its success. But what do you, like what does Burns do to track success of some of your marketing efforts, whether it be, I don't know if you're doing radio spots, TV spots, you know, like what all you're doing, but what is it some of the things that you guys do to to track the success of it? Oh man, you know that of all the things in my business life that have changed the most, that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, in, in the eighties and the nineties, we literally, um, did a radio commercial or we did TV commercials and we, you know, we threw money at it. Sure. Um, and, and they would, the, all the sales reps, the agencies, everybody would walk in with a, with, with a, with a sheet that little, says, Hey, here's our demo. Little pitch book. Uh, yeah, here's our demo, uh, women, um, 32 to 118, um, listen to our station. Come on, really? Yep. Yeah, 32 to 118. That That's the demographic. <laughs> oh, okay. So that, that just means you're not a rock and roll station. That's all it means. Um, and, and so, you know, there was no, there was no KPIs or anything that, that, that helped you um, make a judgment on whether or not advertising or marketing was doing well, um, other than direct sales. Sure. Um, and so to quantify um, it was really difficult. Oh, it, it was difficult. So, so you would just kind of, I, 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 I tried to, um, really embed myself into marketing cause I needed to learn that that was not my expertise and I needed to learn that. Um, and so I went everywhere I could to learn about marketing from the get go. Okay. Cause again, you're, I'm a number cruncher guy. Right. I, 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 I I'm entrepreneurial, but I mean, I needed the nuts and bolts of marketing. So I went to a seminar in Atlanta that was put on, um, and the uh, the speaker was um, the uh, um, the global advertising manager for Coca Cola. And so I sat in there, got my notebook. Taking notes. We didn't have freaking computer. I I didn't have yeah, a you know I, I I'll t- let's go into the cell phone stories <laughs> later. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you how many quarters are. <laughs> Yeah, how many quarters I used to carry to make phone calls with my beeper. But anyhow, so I you know squat about marketing. So I'm there with my pen and pencil, and I'm ready. The first thing the guy says is, Coca-Cola spent $1 billion last year on marketing. Did you check out? I went, like, oh. I, I went holy shit. Global <laughs> marketing, $1 billion. I'm like, wow. Okay, how's it work? How do you, how do you measure? How do you know? He goes, we know. 50% doesn't work. <laughs> I went, shit, I need to know this now. Okay, let's go. Come on, I'm in. I'm hook, line, and sinker. You know, and everybody in the room who were beverage people, store owners, I'm a, I'm a pest control guy. You know, people look at me like, what are you doing here? Right. The, all those people are going, oh, my God. Coke's going to cut 50% of their advertising, but they're going to cut $500 million out of their global advertising budget. The guy goes, the problem, we just don't know which 50% doesn't work. Oh. 
He said, so we're going to spend, <laughs> we're going to spend, uh, you know, a billion dollars on global marketing again, because we don't know what doesn't work. So and I went, doing. are you freaking kidding me? How, you know, there's gotta be a way. And so, so jump ahead to, um, you know, the, the early, early middle two thousands, you know, yep. four, five, six, we started really, really entering the digital age. Um, you know, we, we saw, we saw television marketing being, um, augmented by digital marketing. We saw, we started to see the, um, repurposing of ads into social media and, and just digital marketing. The, the onset of the smartphone, I think changed the dynamic for everybody. Oh yeah. Um, because now all of a sudden we had this, this digital fingerprint of what people were doing and we could start to tie that to a dollar. Um, and so, so that's where, and for me, that was a real struggle because now I'm not a young man, you know, I'm, I'm getting to be older. And so, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not digitally challenged, but by no means, like the young man over there behind the board, can can I work on my smartphone, my computer, and still work board at the same time? <laughs> Dude, I'm having a hard time just talking in the mic and drinking water. Um, and so, you know, what I did, what I did is what any smart business person does. When you don't know how to do something, you find the best person to do it and have them do it for you. So one of the things I did was I hired in a young man who is my data analyst. Great. And that's what he does for me. He, he works directly for me and, and his job is just to crush analytics. Love it. And, and so then now we can, we tie everything. If we spend a dollar, we tie it to a campaign and we track the campaign. We, we have massive computer systems now that, that, um, you know, when somebody calls in, we, their number pops up. We know if they're a customer or not a customer. We, we see what, um, you know, we see what services they have with us. Um, we use uh, jot forms and things that are, that are trackable on the back end. Um, we use, uh, um, we use CRMs, uh, customer relation managers. Yeah, do you guys have, do you guys use a field management software? Like, do you have like a some sort of dispatch software that you guys use in field management? Yes. Yeah. Um, we um, we're with a company called Workwave. Um, they have a they have a um, they have an industry specific, but they're part of a global company that does um, a lot of other. So they do HVAC stuff. They do landscape stuff. Okay. Uh, I, I use their pest control side software, and I'm actually I sit on their um, um, their advisory board. Um, to talk about how we can make that software better because one of the things we don't do at Burns is we try not to use multiple pieces of software because you have a real hard time getting them to link and tie. Yep. So we, we try to get everything into one software package. So people out in the field with, with um, digital handheld equipment um, is getting and sending the same information to our, our commercial sales teams or our residential sales teams or, or whoever, and then, um, you know, a termite inspector graphs a house and that goes over to the rodent department and they figure out how to market to them the rodent problems and, you know, we have data out. I'm sure. My gosh. So 
this is going to be a really important question. Really important. Are you ready for this? <laughs> sure. Go. <laughs> I'm from Indiana. You heard me say I grew up on a farm. I'm from the country, okay? Now, do you call them mosquitoes or skeeters? <laughs> Skeeter's a boat. <laughs> it's mosquitoes. I know. I know. I just, ah. guess, okay, I'm just joking. But, but uh, for the uh, sorry for those of you on the East Coast <laughs> listening, skeeters are a real deal. Absolutely. <laughs> and 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 you guys keep calling them skeeters. It's okay. And I'm not. I'm not coming back there to to market against that. I was just there, but you would be surprised on the people that search for the keyword skeeter. But I'll bet you wouldn't be surprised <laughs> on where the majority comes from. Yeah, well, I think a bass boat pops up. <laughs> it does. <laughs> it does. It really does. So that should tell you something. And if you're going to have a good marketing company, they better be telling you that. So I want to share with this, you, with, uh, this with you real quick um, on that on that topic of, you know, even with smartphones and things like that, when the smartphones came out, it was like a dream come true for us digital marketing guys. But what we love is that you can track everything. Now, when I came into this, into the advertising marketing world, I started at Dex, which was Quest Dex back oh, yeah. in the day, remember? So the oh. phone book. <clears throat> and um, I was there for four years, and I never quite felt great about what the end result was until there was call tracking numbers put in place. But the, hey, if you add the red to this box and put it in this, like, I just wasn't always bought into it because there was nothing that, that quantified that for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so when they started to roll out the yellow page internet yellow page side of things um i started i really liked it because then you could start tracking it and so i learned search engine optimization back in 2004 like that's back in the day for that world. yeah and so i just really liked i really liked it it was way different <clears throat> but fast forward to today um this is how when we started this company i did this from my uh, on my own and, and gosh you're gonna appreciate this and think it was miserable all at the same time we still do the same things today. When somebody hired me to bring in new customers, because that was my job, new business, what I did was I put that call tracking number in place on their website. So if anybody called it, I could find out what was the lead. Um, and then I needed to know for my own accountability is I would listen to every single call that came through the site, whether they came from my you know, pay-per-click or SEO or not, listen to it date, time stamp it so I could see if it was during hours, after hours, what was the lead type, who took the call, did it come from SEO, did it come from pay-per-click, was the call booked? And then that way I could track not only the, the exact number of leads and give it to my customer, but I would track the cost per lead. And then I could also see how their CSRs or people answering the phone, if there was issues, I could catch it quick and send it over to them. But the point of that was we learned so much of the, you talk about crunching numbers and data nerds, like that is a lot of what I love is you would start to see definitively. I spent one dollar. I got X in return in new business. That's half the battle. Yep. But then it's identifying where do I keep? Where's this? Like I, you had 187 new customers come in. You booked it at 18. percent There's a problem, you know. And so it made us more of a partner versus a vendor relationship, which I genuinely believe is how we've grown this thing into the beast that it is, is because we track to that depth because listen, if you and I are sitting here having a conversation and, and I'm your doing your internet marketing, you're going to want to know to the dollar as a finance guy, what did my company do for you? Right. You're exactly that right. would dictate our future together. Yep. But if we did that and it was a great job, you also don't leave. Nope. Now we grow it because now we know, okay, I spend $2. I get X in return. I spend $3. 
that's how we built this thing. And, and, and the reason I wanted to bring that up is because you're a finance guy and you have that brain is that's how, whenever we started building this thing was if I could quantify everything that we're doing, not only do we know definitively what's coming from it, but we could be more of a partner by saying, Hey, here's also the gaps that you're missing that I have zero control over. It makes a better partnership. That's how we've blown this thing up, you know, into a really now a worldwide home services company since we're in multiple countries. So, um, but you guys have done a great job and the brand has always been solid as long as I can remember, even before I even needed pest control. And, and a lot of it has to do, you know, probably the reason you bought it on the 17, which is one of the major you know, interstates here in Phoenix is you got prominent plot sign placement right there where there's a lot of people driving by. 122,000 cars a day. There it is. So of course you would know that. <laughs> so now I want to, I know we're kind of getting into it. And typically if somebody's in here too, and we have a lot of good dialogue and you're sharing a ton of great, a great stuff that's applicable to the majority of all of our listeners is, um, you, we, and we skim past this in the beginning, but I want to come back to it quickly. Um, it's not all roses and like, you know, rainbows and all that kind of stuff when you're growing these businesses. So um, everybody's going to make mistakes. Um, it's inevitable. You're going to make mistakes. It's how do you handle it and get through it? Because I would say, and you will probably agree, I mean, you've been in business much longer than myself, um, is you actually become significantly stronger from those mistakes. Because if you learn and actually take another action and you, and you move on, it's how you handle those mistakes moving forward that make a big difference. So would you just share maybe like what's a mistake that you made that you're like, holy shit, this was a big mess up, but then you recovered from it and you moved forward and it moved the company forward. Um, you know, I, I think early on, um, early on the biggest mistake I made was um, not understanding the value of what I performed. Um, so you mean underpricing? Well, so I, I looked at the market and said, oh, okay, if my competitor charged 25, then I should do it for 20. And, and, and um, you know, spending too much time on, on knowing what um, a competitor is charging um, and trying to figure out how to get under that, I think was, was a huge mistake for me. Um, and, and it took me a little while to get over it because I didn't have a brand. Now I don't have that problem because I have a brand. When, you know, I can have a salesperson walk into a person's home and they say, we have termites. And they go, um, okay, uh, yeah, those are termite tubes hanging down. Those are termite tubes coming up. Um, burns can, um, you know, burns can do X, Y, and Z. And, um, you know, we talk about the benefits and we talk about um, the brand, which they already know, um, and companies like ABC, um, uh, Terminex, Orkin, you know, they've got that brand. Right. So people call them just because they're, they, they trust the brand. Credibility. So, um, yep. so now I can walk in and, and, you know, budget company A says, oh, we can do this for $200. And, um, and, they look at the Burns proposal and it's, you know, $1,500 and they go, Oh gosh, you know, I could get this done for $200. I said, actually you can get that done for 150 if you want, but you're going to get $150 worth of work. Do what you pay for. Exactly. And so, you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do a year from now or two years from now when budget a has gone out of business or they're not around or they say, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not going to service that. 
Burns has been in business 37 years and, and you don't hear us say, I'm sorry that, you know, we're not going to do that. No, our job is to make sure that we keep the relationship solid and we take care of the customer. So that brand awareness, that brand um, trust is what now puts us into a position where I don't, I don't worry about what my competition charges for a service. I look at what we're going to perform, what our costs are associated with it. I crunch the numbers and we come out with a dollar. That's the dollar amount. It is what it is. Paul, do you have something, buddy? No, I, I mean, we could go so much further on that. I, as you look at the business, could you talk about like from an area like ranking the importance of training, finance, sales, marketing, operations? And I know that's a mouthful, but how would you, as you evaluate the business, how would you prioritize those? Okay. So actually that's not, that's not that difficult. Okay. So, um, so one of the things I put in a few years ago, um, one of the things I put in a few years ago was um, a program called Burns University. BU. Burns U. Burns U. Okay. Um, so, so what what I did is I had a personal I had a personal coach for myself, a business coach, taught you know communication and just time management sure. and you know um, those types of things. If you don't have one, you should get one because they're worth their weight in gold. I agree. Okay, so I had one, and I just, I learned so much from him that I hired him for the company, and I hired him in to take over Burns U, and here's what we did with Burns U. We took training and all of those core value ideas, and we put them in a one-week-long program. So now every employee, doesn't matter which department you're, you start in, what your job description is, you are going to go through Burns U so that you learn those core values, those general identification and training things, and what's important to us as a company, because that's what you're going to go do. Now the rest of it, you know, sales, marketing, um, finance, they all... They all take a back seat to that core value because with 300 employees, it only takes one to screw it up. Yep. So you have to send them out with a toolbox that, that lets them understand what is, what is our goal here. If our goal is only to make money, my gosh, you know, the, the, what's the number one reason people don't do what you want them to do? Because they don't know what it is that you want them to do. You haven't been clear. So you give a clear upfront contract of what your expectation is when you go to a customer's house. Then now if you've given them all those tools, that takes care of training. Marketing, marketing is nothing more than, than, the, than the relationship building and keeping. So I can, you can make my phone ring every day. I can pay you whatever, $1,000 and you make my phone ring. Lots of people do that. It's what you do with that customer after they become a customer and, and keeping them. Um, do you know I, have, I have, still have a customer from 1983 on my books? Still have one. One of the 43. Yeah, one of the 43. Is, she's still alive. She's still kicking. She's still doing service with us. I hope she's giving you a review. <laughs> I don't know if she'd know what a computer is. but um, So, uh, you know, then, then, you know, 
finance, you know, that's my background. So I'm, I, I feel very comfortable with that, but I still have, you know, I still have a CFO. I still have accountants. I still have, you know, outside firms that come in and audit and check. Um, and, uh, and then operations, operations is one of those things that just continues to grow. You have to figure out, um, you know, how to manage the data and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. So, um, makes a lot of sense because if, if money was your driver, then sales would be your marketing and sales would be probably at your core, but yep. really you like training, like you, you hit the nail on the head. Well, I'll tell you what, you got something going, right? Because even after all these years and I looked at, uh, you know, a lot of times what happens with us is, um, at Rhino is we don't work with everybody. We're not an option for the masses and we saturate at some point. But we have an interest in growing just like you do, right? So we have to make sure we align ourselves with like-minded companies who have a solid foundation. And a lot of times you can tell those things through the reviews, what other people are saying about you. And uh, and you guys have a pretty solid re- – I mean, there's – I'm assuming between Vegas and – like I know here in Phoenix you had, I think it was like seven, 800 some odd reviews at a 4.6. Like that's solid. I mean, eight, since 1983, you're doing something. You got it figured out. Yeah. So you, you've been able to maintain this brand, and and, uh, and that tells me, before I ever even meet you or use Burns, um, you know, what can I expect from that company? What kind of credibility do they have? Because that's pretty self-explanatory. That's why reviews are so important. But you have to, what I heard you say crystal clear was, make it very clear on what you're doing for that customer and the value of that, and don't undersell the service of it. Yeah. Because it's about the quality of the service that you're offering and then followed by the relationship that maintains the longevity of that relationship. And listen, if you're in plumbing, if you're if you're in plumbing, you, you might actually see that customer more frequently based on the different you know things that fall underneath the plumbing umbrella. For HVAC, it would be if you do an installation or if you're doing service and you have a service level agreement customer, you're following up on them, say, you know, before you know, in spring and in fall in preparation for summer and winter based on the market. So there are these touch points along the way, but you don't just sell it, take care of it, and then move on. That, that's what I love about this business, the, the, pest, con- the pest control industry. Um, the fact that, that I, get to, I get to touch most of my customers multiple times, even in a month. Commercially, you know, we've got accounts that we service weekly, daily, um, you know, monthly at minimum. I love the fact that that we're an integral part of that relationship and we bring things to the table. Not just, you know, not just things of, of the pest control nature, but but other things. You know, we we see things that um, during inspection processes that maybe other vendors that don't go there quite as often have a problem with. We get to bring it up. We get to be a key instrument um, in the, the workings of, of our clients' business. Yeah, well, and you have, like, you have reasons you have got to communicate with, you know, with them always, right? So, yes, absolutely. So, um, just, I mean, we're, we're over an hour and it's okay. <laughs> it's totally okay. It's not uncommon for us because there's been a lot of really good content in here, and I'm grateful that you came in and, and you shared so much. There's a lot of little nuggets in there. I took a lot of notes. You see the scribbling on my page. Um, so, my last question is going to be a pretty simple one. Not It's not going to take much thought for you. Um but, you know, as I've learned more about, you know, pest control companies and um, what is important to some, it's not, you know, the majority of the types of work are pretty consistent in regards to what, 
you know, cut you, what you guys want to get as far as a customer goes, but you got to have the, the regular reoccurring revenue from your monthly, your monthly customers. But what is the, what is the, the bug or the pest, either one that you dislike the most? What's the one where you're like, you know, even though I'm in this business, this is the one I really dislike. Or do you like, no, I love bugs. I'm in the bug business. Wow. Um, the pest I like least. I've got mine. I'll share mine while you're thinking of yours. I'm probably my banker. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, do you have a do you have a the technology to get rid of that pest? I, well, it costs a lot, but we can yeah. we'll always work through my it. Banker, I'll tell you this. I learned from um, from our place up in Walker that bats are a massive pain in the ass. But um, you guys aren't dealing with bat stuff, right? Oh, yeah, we do. Oh, yeah, okay, good, because it is a pain in the ass, and I've spent yeah. a lot of money trying to get rid of it. Uh, yeah, well, the problem with bats is most of them have um, some kind of um, protection over them, so, you, so you, can't, you can't do things that you might do with other insects or other vertebrates that, that you would kill. The bats, you can't. They're, they're protected, so you've got to exclude them. You've got to allow entry access type things. It, they're, they're complicated. They don't bother me, though. But... So they, they only bug me because they're a nuisance Yeah. Um, in that manner. The bug that I like, first off, I don't like bugs, period. Like my little girl, I have a five-year-old <laughs> daughter. She'll pick up any bug. Like she grabbed a bee and it stung her finger, and she's like, well, it stung my finger. Because she just she doesn't care about bugs. And my son's the same way. But those scorpions are nasty, nasty little bugs. But I saw one last year for the first time, and it was called a spider scorpion. Uh, Sun spider? That's it. Sun spider. That yeah. thing is one of the ugliest things I've they, ever... They're, like, they're pretty wicked looking. Holy crap. Harmless, but wicked looking. Well, it didn't look harmless. Yeah. And uh, I was walking from my courtyard door to the garbage can, and it was a... a, a Dave, it was a decent-sized bug. Like, that thing was not yeah. small. And uh, that thing scared the shit out of me. And uh, and my son was out there and made me... And I and that was not one of my prouder moments. Ah. <laughs> now, I think probably now that I think about it, you know the thing that, that I dislike the most... Um, is, is probably rats. I, I just can't. Nasty. Little. I just can't stand rats. Yep. I mean, really, all across the board. But most <laughs> yeah. insects I actually like because I just see revenue. Business. Yep. Makes perfect sense. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. Yep. Well, listen, Dave, I'm so grateful you came on today. I appreciate you. Um, and I, hopefully you had you know, you had some fun while you're in here, too. Oh, I did. This is the most quiet Paul has ever been. I don't know what's going on over there. Maybe it's because I kept railroading you. I have no idea. You know what? I saw myself in his shoes because, you know, I used to live in Colorado. I lived in Texas. I had the option to move to Charlotte, which is where I am now. So I was like completely in that story of being a corporate guy to getting out of that world. But I do have one question. If I can have the final question, Chris. You may proceed. Thank you. So earlier you talked about legacy. What's your legacy going to be? Well, so... um so my brother Danny has um, two kids, um, my nephew Austin and my niece Amanda. Um, both are working in the business now. Um, Austin was a professional motocross racer. Um, he retired uh, at the uh, late age of 24. Um, and uh, so he's joined the business. Um, I have my son who was a 10-year professional baseball player. Um, he's retired. Um, he's joined the business. Um, and um, the average tenure on my executive team is 24 years. 
Nice. Okay. That tells, and, that tells and, you something. And they range in age from 67 to 24. Wow. Okay. And, and, and with that, I still have an average 20 plus year with my executives. So, um, my legacy is of course my kids. Um, I would love to at some point see my granddaughter, my grandson, um, uh, hopefully find what they love in life and know that, that this thing sits there when they're ready for it. Um, I have, um, on my executive team, every one of them, there's not a single one that doesn't have a family member that works for me. We have, we have 57 families represented at Burns. That's awesome. And so I think that's my legacy. I have, I have, I have lots of key people in our organization that, um, that, um, have kids and, and those kids, um, Hey, let's face it. We're, um, you know, they, they've got to do something in life. So if Burns affords them an opportunity and, and we're, we're large enough now that it really doesn't matter what you do. You don't have to be the, the technician bug sprayer. We've got data analysts. We've got IT people. We've got, you know, we've got marketing people. We, we've got lots of, you know, we've got lots of people that do a variety of different things in our company now. And that's, I think, is what's cool. Yep. Feels good. Yep. Yeah, you're working with family. I mean, I think that's a pretty amazing little legacy. And uh, we got one yeah. go around the sun. Got to get it right. You got it. Are you good, Paul? Well, I, I'm good. I admire you. I think you're doing something really special. So. Thanks, Paul. All right. Stop kissing ass. All right. So <laughs> so what I heard was the burn jeans are pretty damn good. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, I appreciate you, you coming on here. And, um, you know, again, a lot of what you said is applicable across really any of the service businesses. I mean, it's, it, is, it is very relational. Um, and I genuinely believe, and, and Rhino's run the same way, is you take care of the customers, you do it right, you figure out all the little things along the way, but if you take care of them and you and you do whatever you can for them, you make yourself a leader in the industry, but the revenue has always followed. But I never use that as my driver. It's, you know, take care of them, retain them. The way you retain them is by giving them good service and making sure you got great relationships. So I heard you loud and clear when you said that. Congratulations on the business. Thank um, you. So cool. Your son's in it with you. You know, I mean, that would be an awesome feeling, I'm sure. Nothing's um, better. And uh, 57 families is... It's pretty cool to uh, for a, count, a company that went from 43 accounts in 1983 to uh, up over 83,000. So I commend you for Thank a you. job well done and uh, a great business. So listeners, um, hopefully you guys got some, you guys and gals, got some really good information from uh, from from Dave and you're able to check some boxes again. And and I hear some consistent things, you know, that we heard from multiple types of business, but I also heard some some new things. And, uh, and hopefully you took that away as well. And so when uh, you pull over, you jot down some notes, or I always say the same thing, use your voice notes, whatever it is, if you're working out, sitting down. Um, I always encourage you to not just take notes, but to actually take action, because Paul, ambition without action is what? Useless. It's absolutely useless. So go out there and get it done. Um, we, I want to give a quick shout out to just for a couple of folks too. And again, for all those leaving reviews on the podcast, we're so grateful for that. Um, and then some of the uh, folks, I've been doing this, Lately, just some people who've been reaching out to us through the different Facebook pages. But just a quick shout out to those who uh, who are, are new fans of the page is uh, Allie Young, Brian Cohen, uh, Crystal Curdo, Jim Morrison Sr., uh, 
Crystal Hyman, Robert Edwards, Mike Orhowski, who I talked to, Kelly McKay, Tim Burton, and Sarah Gerarda, which is uh, service champions up in Northern. Well, she was. Now she's a service titan. Um, what do you got from me, Kyle? You want me to give you a shout-out on something? Oh, yeah, we're crushing on the downloads. Like, the downloads are up over 10,000-something or other like that, too, not even including the streams and the Android downloads. Like, so we're just so grateful on how much all you listeners continue to listen to the podcast and support it and share it. And, uh, and all the positive things that you guys are taking away from it and applying towards your business, which is ultimately what our legacy is, is to, you know, we exist to grow your business, period. And Rhino's not the only way we get it done, so it's to the point. So, again, Dave, appreciate you so much. Thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks, guys. And uh, listeners, until next time, we'll see you. Thank you for listening to To The Point. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please consider leaving us a review in the App Store. And don't forget to share with your friends. Till next time, kick some ass.